Hey everyone, so we are here, AAA Podcast, at the Florida Anime Experience 2016 with the amazing Caitlin Whoa. Glass. No pressure. You are incredibly charismatic. <laughs> like, <laughs> throughout you. the whole con, it's just been like a 10 out of 10 on charisma, so I'm really excited to do this. Okay, oh, great. <laughs> Glad to know. So for anyone who doesn't know, I'm going to I'm gonna kind of brag about you for a second. Do because it. I was reading your Wikipedia page. You have a Wikipedia page. I know, like, and I, I don't like... Oh, no, the picture is okay. For the longest time, they had, like, my very first oh. professional headshot, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm like, that's really old, you guys, and it's for <laughs> theater, and I look weird in it, and what the heck. That's a solid picture. Yeah, Now I it's good. You. Now it's from Phoenix Comic Con a few years ago, like okay. an in-action... I like the hair, too. Very yeah, cool. thanks. Good stuff. So just so everyone knows who's listening... Why I'm so excited to talk to Kayla. <laughs> she toured Funimation when she was a college student and got hired on the same day. Yeah. Which is basically, that sounds like the plot of an, an anime or a I fan know, fiction right it? there. Like touring a, a dubbing house and getting, and getting picked up on the same day. You have worked for New Generation Pictures as well as Bang Zoom Entertainment. Mm-hmm. You have done voices for, you know, just characters that people might recognize, like Winry from Full Metal Alchemist. Never heard of her. And uh, there, there's another one on here, uh, Haruhi from Oran High Host Club. Mm, yeah, sounds that's familiar. a thing. Yeah, that's, that's a, thing. a thing. And not only were you Harhi, but you directed the English version of Oran High Host Club. So you're your voice actress, ADR director, all-around charismatic, awesome person. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So <laughs> that's why I'm so excited to talk to you today and, and kind of pick your brain sure. about the industry. Sure. So your work now is primarily focused on the ADR side or do you still, are you split between voice acting? Um, I guess you could say it's primarily on the ADR side because that is my quote unquote day job. That's what I do every day as an employee of Funimation. So I'm always directing something and then voice acting is what I also get to do uh, in addition to that, either in my own show or um, shows at Funimation and elsewhere. So are you ever, as a director, thinking to yourself, hey, I know the perfect person to play this role. She's uh, she's my best friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't, I try not to cast myself, though I know that it is my prerogative to do so <laughs> if I wanted to. But I, I kind of think of Caitlin, the actor, as just another possibility. Mm-hmm. Caitlin, the director, is someone else. So I'm able to objectively look at roles and go, who has the right kind of voice for this character and for that character. And so I might end up on you know, the short list for certain characters within my own show. But I try to not cast me. But I will cast myself if I feel like I haven't done anything lately. Mm-hmm. And not from a financial uh, place of it, but it's just important for me to continue to be getting in, in the booth yeah. and uh, um, feeling what it's like to be in there and working with a different writer's scripts and mm-hmm. things like that. So when it comes to selecting actors for specific roles, um, do you have just the general pool that you normally go to or do you guys do like open auditions for other people to come in? And All of the above. All of the above. All okay. of the above. It depends on the project. Mm-hmm. We have um, a database where we have actors that we've worked with and their uh, files online from various shows, like not necessarily from auditions, but real things that they did for us, real professional work. So we have that uh, and it's, it's categorized by... Uh, not vocal type, but, but characters. So young boys, uh, little girls, and everyone gets put into their uh, categories all the way up to you know villains or r- really old people or, or whatever. <laughs> so you can go, oh, I need someone to be this kind of whatever. You go to that category. And, and that's more like um, 
on the spot. Oh shoot, someone is sick and can't come mm-hmm. in. Who can I get in to fill in Where's for them? Vic can get I step? Yeah, <laughs> um, young boy we, to can, fill. we can use it for that. Or um, also because we do a lot of what we call broadcast dubs now where the show is simulcast in Japanese at the same time that it airs in Japan. And then within a month to six weeks, we're putting it up dubbed um, at an episodic broadcast rate. We don't have time always to have an, uh, an audition call for those. So that is a lot of casting from what you know, people that you've worked with or asking other directors if there's someone that you haven't worked with but they have. Like, oh, I'm I want to work with somebody new but not somebody that doesn't know how to do the job. How was so and so? You worked with them on your last show. That that kind of thing. Right. So it's a lot of um, collaboration in in that regard. And then if after doing all of that, you're still concerned about a particular role, you can call in, you know, a handful of actors to read for that, but you don't have time to spend three or four days auditioning for the entire show uh, when we do a broadcast. So I do want to ask a question that you've probably been asked a million times, fine. but it's something that I think a lot of our listeners would like to know. Sure. Um, you know, as you were saying, a lot of the people that you get to come in and do voice acting are already in the industry and people have worked with them. For someone who's just a fan who eventually wants to make their way into it, um, what would you recommend they do? Um, what, what steps would you suggest they take? Um, start acting. Start acting. There are lots of fans out there, and there's nothing wrong with being just an anime fan, and I don't even like that phrase. But if the idea of voice acting intrigues you, then you need to try out um, stage acting first. Get yourself in front of people. Can you really do the job? Are you a strong reader? Can you take direction? There's so many skills that our actors walk in already having. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's the kind of job where you have to um, learn very quickly on the go uh, when you're brand new at dubbing. You could have been on stage for you know 20 years, but you've never been in a booth before. That isn't necessarily bad so long as you can uh, pick things up very quickly because right. we work very fast. So if you don't already come in with a lot of acting uh, skill um, under your belt, then you probably will just audition and then not come back. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a in a uh, rude way, but it is. Um, it's a job. It's a job, mm-hmm. and it's uh, these folks are professionals. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So if if you're interested in voice acting, the first thing to do is not necessarily start fan dubbing with friends online. While that's super fun and a really good hobby, um, to be a voice actor, you need to be an actor. So start doing that first. So I want to kind of go back. You mentioned simulcasting, and I feel like we've seen the rise of simulcasting over the past two to five years, I yeah. would say. And it's, it's really exciting because it's an interesting transition in the industry. How has that changed the dubbing process? You oh. mentioned it's, it's much shorter, but do you approach simulcasts in a different way than you would approach a finished show? The biggest challenge to it is that you don't always know what's going to happen with the story, which means you may not know what's going to happen with the character. Um, when we begin recording... Maybe we've seen four to five episodes max of the show so far. And sometimes uh, the anime is based off of a manga or a light novel or a video game or something like that. So at least you have that plot to draw off of, though that doesn't mean the anime will follow the same path, but it could give you some insight into characterization. Other times, the anime story is completely brand new. It has no source material. And at this time, we are not getting information from Japan in advance about the story because they are very tight-lipped about it. Um, They don't want anything being leaked Mm -hmm. over to Japanese fans about what's going to happen in the plot either. So the trickiest part about casting is knowing is this heroine character 
she appears to be the heroine right now, but does she turn into a villainous giant monster at the end? Is that something that this actor can handle? Um, right. and, and not just their acting skill, but literal vocal ability. Sometimes roles are right for one person vocally and not for someone else, and it's, that's the hardest part, not knowing uh, what to expect in the story. But I would say that the rate at which we record um, is the same but different. On a DVD show, we have a, a chunk of episodes at a time, usually six of them. So if, if you, for example, are in you know the show and you're a supporting character, I can look across these six episodes and see, okay, you're in episodes one, uh, two, and four. And I can have you in and we can do all those episodes maybe in one day, if depending on the hours. Uh, but in this case, we're only doing one episode at a time because that's how we receive the stuff for it and that's the the writers are writing at the rate of a script a week a script in probably less than a week because then it has to get reviewed and then blah 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 so uh, but for the actor in the booth they're not having to do the actual job of of uh the acting and the recording any faster you know suddenly you need to do twice as many lines per hour as you used to that rate is the same um but it's just one episode at a time so how how do you pick, or how are, I know not maybe not you pick, but how does Funimation pick, if you know, the shows that which get simulcast? I mean, for a finished show, you can look at, at demand in the States and mm-hmm. popularity and mm-hmm. even things like, what are the fan dubs and what are the fan subs and how's that, those downloads going? For, yeah, unfortunately. For that, yeah. yeah, for shows that aren't brought over to see what interest there might be. But for a simulcast... You might not have that data. So mm-hmm. how, how do you figure out what shows? I'm not certain because I'm not over in licensing. I'm sure it has a lot more to do with Funimation's existing relationships with the studios okay. over there. I would imagine. Because uh, when I look at the things that we license, it's um, Studio Bones Properties, Madhouse Properties, um, and a couple of other places. So it must be existing relationships with them. So who do we have to talk to to get one punch man? <laughs> uh, I don't know who's doing it, but I, uh, yeah, uh, honestly, like who, who knows? Right. I'm sure that it's happening. It's such a big deal. Yeah. But, um, with, with talking about changing business models, one of the things that I've been interested in is the role of Kickstarters in the mm. industry. Funimation actually just finished a very successful one for Escaflone and for a redub of that. Um, how do you feel about Kickstarters and crowdfunding being used to fund dubbing projects? And, and how do you feel like that could change how businesses conduct, pick what shows to bring over and, and what to dub? Mm. I think it's interesting. It puts a lot of power into the hands of the fans, which I know is probably what fans want. Uh, as a professional, that's a little bit scary for me to hear. <laughs> um, but in, I, I think that it can work in certain cases, uh, case in point, Escaflone. It's the kind of show that um, had it's very well loved. And so you could step on a lot of toes by redubbing this thing that could have been many people's introduction into the world of anime. Um so I think it was a, a, a good move on their part to say, like, we want to do this, but essentially asking the fans, we want to know that you want us to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that it worked. It works. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm not just saying that because I'm Hitomi. <laughs> um, it, uh, I think that it's, it's going to be um, wonderful. And what a cool thing for the fans to say, I was a, I was a part of this. Um, I'm also part of another one that maybe you knew or, or didn't know, but they're 
going to be starting production for a finally not a redub but a dub for the first time of skip beat yes that was actually they yeah. almost got 100k over their asking pretty amazing yeah uh and i i think that that one is an even cooler example of like this this property that got saved in in essence kind of rescued and there's enough um fan desire for it to happen and that one to me really feels like something that the fans made happen I, I'm, I'm not ex- entirely certain uh the details about Escaflone and everything for Funimation mm-hmm. it seems like it may have happened anyway but what extent to what extent as far as extra features and um blu-ray and all of that was maybe determined by uh Kickstarter I don't know I'm just one the actor. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I, I, I'm curious about, curious about, since you brought up the Skip Beat dub, that was completed by Pied Piper Incorporated. And that's actually a, a house or a group, I'm not sh- quite sure what the correct terminology is there, um, a company that I'm not too familiar with. I mean, Funimation is a giant in the American dubbing industry, but mm-hmm. I hadn't heard of them before. And I'm wondering if crowdfunding could be an opportunity for more kind of homegrown dubbing houses to to get their foot in the door, to get started. It's possible. It's possible. But I, I honestly hadn't uh, heard much about them either. So I guess talk to me you know, at the end of the year, and I'll let you know how the process went. We'll for, call you up on for, that. <laughs> so far, so good, though. Like, communication uh, with everybody involved has been wonderful. Um, so I look forward to, to working on it this summer. Excellent. Do you have anything you want to ask, or do you want me to keep um, going? I want to be polite and yeah, let uh, you jump in. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I guess my questions are more just, you know, the a lighter, fun <laughs> questions. Oh, go for it. Not so much serious, like, uh, how do you feel about the business and the industry? <laughs> um, so I want to hear some uh, interesting stories from your convention experiences, because I know okay. you have been to many a convention. Just a um, few. <laughs> see you all over the place. So what are some of the... Uh, maybe strangest or most unique experiences that you've had at conventions, maybe specifically with fans, maybe not? Um, I am very fortunate that I haven't had many negative fan experiences. And when they do happen, I don't like to to dwell on them or make drama about them. Mm -hmm. So I won't really be sharing any like dirty fan stories from cons because I don't (laughs) really have any. Um, But what's so wonderful about conventions is the interaction with the fans and also other uh, people in the industry. Excuse me. And probably one of my favorite convention experiences was in 2008, I believe, maybe 2007. I was at, um, what is that thing called? Oh my gosh. Animazement. (laughs) Animazement. It's it's in North Carolina. And they work very closely with uh, the Japanese industry for their convention because it's put on the, by the Japan School of Raleigh. So there are as many Japanese industry guests as Americans and often more Japanese than American voice actors. Very interesting. Um, yeah. And you don't see that too much anymore, but they are all about it. But they'll usually plan who gets invited so you can maybe meet uh, your counterpart from Japan possibly or somebody who worked in some aspect on a show that, that you were in. Mm-hmm. Or not, which in my case, I, I've, I've, I had been multiple times. I think in 2008, it was maybe my, my third time to go. Mm-hmm. And um, they had, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to sound like a total dork because now her name has just disappeared because you're sitting in front of me. <laughs> um, but at the voice actress for Sailor Moon, 
was there. And that's like my favorite all time ever show. And that's true for many uh, girls. I mean, the, the Japanese Seiyu uh, was there. And Kotono Mitsuishi, Kotono Mitsuishi is her name. Um, see, I'm like, I'm just going to keep talking and the name will come to me. And yes. there it is. So um, to get to spend, I say spend the weekend with her. It's not like we went <laughs> shopping together or something and painted each other's nails. But she was there with her husband and also her daughter and uh, other cast members uh, were there. I'd met some of the other cast members in years uh, before and also like the producer uh, of Sailor Moon and things. But the fact that she was there and like now because of Sailor Moon Crystal, like it, Sailor Moon is big again and it's all many of the original voice actors from Japan are in it again. But to be sitting like at a long table with her and they introduce us all very formally kind of Japanese style and all of the voice actors there would introduce themselves and then say a line like as their most famous character and that's not something that we do as American actors we like to be known for the fact that I'm an actor Mm -hmm. and I played these people but they're Mm -hmm. like oh yeah here's who I am so she busts out like with Sailor Moon's um like big thing her line that she says after she poses like in the name of the moon I will punish you I about died. <laughs> I've never felt that way before. It was so weird. Like I thought I was going to pee my pants and like fly away at the same time. It was bizarre. I didn't. I think that uh, happened in an anime recently. Uh, yeah. actually. Right? I, I, I didn't have any uh, panels with her, um, but I still got to do some pretty cool things with her anyway. It was her daughter's birthday while they were there for the weekend. So they threw a Disney princess birthday party for her daughter up in the green room. And I got to go to that. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. And um, shortly thereafter, I had an origami panel that I teach. So I wasn't prepared. So I had to sit down after eating cake and fold some models to take to the panel. And Mitsuishi-san looks across the table and she goes, oh, origami. And she runs off. I'm like, where's she going? And she comes back with paper from her room and sits down next to me and proceeds to fold origami with me. And I'm like, you are kidding me. I cannot believe this is happening. I think maybe somebody got a picture, but this was, uh, you know, cell phones with cameras in them. That was common, but they weren't glued to your hand as much even eight years ago as they are now. Or someone could have just easily gone click. Anyhow, um, she made me, and she she speaks a little bit of English, and so using one of the interpreters, she made me just a little shuriken, and she explained that it's all she could remember uh, by memory. So, and I have a box of origami paper, and it sits right on top. So every time I open it, there it is from her. So very cool. That's probably one of my favorite conventions. That is an awesome experience. (laughs) That is an awesome experience. I, I mean, I think we can all. We can all relate to that one moment where we meet that voice actor or creator of something that we're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So speaking about the Japanese seiyu, is there anything, as an American voice actor, do you kind of dissect how they approach the voices, even if you might not understand the Japanese, but the inflection they use and the way they present it, um, is that something that goes into kind of the research for a role? Uh, yes, research is a is a tricky word to use because we don't often encourage the actors to watch the show before they come in. Um, it has helped to kind of go backwards to one of your other questions. It has helped with the broadcast dub uh, situation because since it has aired in Japanese already and it's free and accessible, well, they have to have the subscription, well, not free, legal, it's legal. <laughs> they can get a hold of the Japanese legally. I tell my actors and those shows, if you want to watch the episode before you come in, 
go right ahead because it means we're going to work that much faster and it gives me some free time because I have another show to work on and that kind of thing. Um, but generally, we don't say in the research process, go and watch the show. Uh, because when you're the actor, you're just looking at you know your character and your character alone, whereas it's the director's job to really know the arc of every character in the show and how they're going to help the actors navigate that story. So it's best for an actor to just show up and be malleable uh, for us. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we disregard the Japanese. Not at all. In fact, before every scene that's recorded, we watch it in Japanese first. It's not just here's a script and here's a... Uh, animation with no sound it's here's the script and I may say as the director to my actor uh, here's what's going on in this scene just a general this is he's going to ask her out or something basically mm -hmm. and then I'll go look at uh, these three cues are pretty close together in time so let's do all three of them in a row here's a preview they have a little audio cue in their ear that tells them when each uh, line of theirs is going to begin and they'll hear that cue on top of the Japanese so they watch it and they read back and forth uh, what they're going to say. Um, but yeah, you're listening to how the Japanese inflect and, and things like that. The difference is uh, the Japanese acting does not always match the animation mm -hmm. um, in different ways. It could be uh, the mouth is moving and there is no more voice yeah. or, or vice versa. <laughs> and it's because it isn't as big of a deal to them as it is to us. Or for us, it has to be perfect. Uh, so sometimes I don't want them to focus too much on the Japanese because randomly you know, they have 10 syllables to say what we're going to say in two. You know, <laughs> so, something like that is, is a, a little bit tricky. But we definitely use their acting, absolutely. By watching it, it puts us in the right emotional uh, state and we get that by hearing their voices and reading it along in English but yeah talking talking about that relationship and hearkening back to relationships that Funimation has with Japanese studios one of the things that we have that I, I think it's one of our pet peeves in in when we watch subtitled anime is when they have English-speaking characters and they use <laughs> Japanese people oh to to speak in in English and and oftentimes it is left leaving us wanting we'll say <laughs> is is there ever a possibility for Funimation do you think to maybe say hey if you ever have a character that you want to say some English lines that's tap our shoulders that's interesting um I don't know more often than not I don't see a fully English character so much as the character is Japanese and suddenly in a scene they start speaking English so it would be weird to suddenly switch actors because right. now the character speaks a different language but I could see if you know there are some characters in the background that uh, that speak English like get some American actors while it would be cool for them to use Funimation actors it may not uh, work out because of time the time difference even if we used source connect or something like that they'd be recording in the middle of the day when we should be sleeping um, that kind of situation but there are actors I guarantee you expat actors that live in Japan and speak English and I know they do because I just we did the love live movie um, not too long ago, and it'll come out dubbed this summer. And there's a whole scene in the Love Live movie where uh, the girls, spoiler, they go to the United States. Uh, <laughs> they go to the United States, and while they're in like Central Park, a group of Americans come up and start talking to them. And in the Japanese version, it isn't Japanese people uh, speaking English. It's real 
um, native English speakers. So it, it can be done. <laughs> we have the technology. <laughs> we have the technology. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes watching some of those shows, you're like, you could just go find any English speaker in your country. And I'm sure they can do this. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, can you please just they say this? They would probably be excited. <laughs> <laughs> right. They would probably be very excited. I, I did want to ask um, about, because you are a, a director and you work specifically for Funimation. You're not, you know, just someone who comes in and does different roles. So what is a day in the life like for someone who works full-time for Funimation? Oh, it's a lot of work, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, because at any given time, we're working on three to four properties at once. Mm -hmm. Usually it's just two, but there will be some overlap periods where you're finishing up another or some final uh, materials come in from a show you did a year ago and mm -hmm. suddenly you have to deal with that in addition to the broadcast show that you're doing at the rate of an episode a week which is anywhere from 20 to 22 hours per episode wow. of, of recording wow. um, and but we have 40 hours to fill so the rest of the time we're working on a DVD show of some kind mm -hmm. DVD blu-ray uh, release so we're recording two things at a time every episode um, broadcast dub episode you also have to do a review of it in the booth with your engineer send it off to get mixed and once it gets mixed that day the next day within about two days you're going to watch it again to review the mix and if you have notes you send back notes and then you got to check it again oh, yeah. um so all of that on top of um directing the actors themselves but the day starts, recording day starts at, at 10 and ends at 6 mm. uh, with the break in there. But if you're also a voice actor, you may be leaving your booth, um, my meaning the booth that I direct in, mm. to go and act in someone else's booth here and there or stay after hours because there are a couple of uh, booths that run at night instead of during the day. So I could direct all day and then stick around and act for any, up to another four hours, depending. Not every day of wow. the week. That does not happen every day <laughs> of the week. Um so that, that's typical for us. On Mondays, uh, we receive our script for our broadcast show. All of uh, us who have broadcast get our scripts on the same day, and we have to take the time that day to sit down and determine uh, which actors we're going to need and for how much time and send an email off to the talent coordinator, and then it is uh, their job to get those actors booked, contact the agencies, do whatever. And hopefully you start seeing people on your calendar uh, within a couple of days <laughs> and you get them recorded. Uh, it sounds really stressful, um, but it's not. I don't think so. Anyway, I like having a lot to do and I like at the end of the day feeling like we accomplished a lot. So it sounds like you will end up watching a specific episode of a show over and over again because mm -hmm. you have to go through it multiple times. Do you mm -hmm. ever just get sick of like a specific show or just no. in general you're like, oh my God, I can't watch anymore. Uh, nope, I don't. <laughs> Especially not when it comes to the, the dubbed side of it because I think... Um, I just get so excited for my actors. I love to hear the, the final um, the final product. And I am fortunate that in the last year I've had shows that I really enjoy. So watching it again is fun. I get to hear all the jokes again, and um, it's good. Is there an actor who you would love to work with but haven't had the opportunity? Maybe they're either not doing as much voice acting now as they were, or maybe you just haven't had a project that you can get them on. But is there someone that you know of that you're like, oh, I wish we could? Sure. The, the downside, <clears throat> if there's any downside at all to this broadcast dub situation, it's that it limits the actors we can use because of geography. Mm -hmm. When we have a DVD show, as I mentioned before, we do multiple episodes at a time. So if I want to audition an actor from another market from Houston, Austin, Los Angeles, New York. It's not a problem because when they get the role, they can show up and we can do anywhere from six to 12 episodes in one trip for them. And that's awesome. But at one episode a week, 
sometimes even the main characters have an episode where they don't talk that much for that episode. Mm -hmm. So no one's going to fly in from Los Angeles to record for two hours. You're on a plane for six coming and going. And Mm -hmm. uh, financially, the work would not pay for the plane ticket. Mm -hmm. You don't make a lot dubbing, by the way. (laughs) Uh, So that is kind of uh, what stinks. So when you said, are there people that uh, one person or people, I would say people. There are tons of um, Los Angeles actors and actresses that since I've started doing a little bit of, of work out there in video games and um, and some things for Bang Zoom, I'm like, gosh, I really love their voice. I'd love to work with them. They're super fun. Uh, but because I'm mostly doing um, the broadcast thing, I haven't had the chance. Do you think there's more of an opportunity in the, fr- in the future for satellite offices of Funimation? I imagine simulcast will only continue to grow. I don't know. It depends. The, the trick, uh, just to talk more business-type stuff, is that... Um, Texas is a right-to-work state, so you don't have to be in the union uh, to d- do the work. And a lot of Los Angeles actors um, are unionized actors, so you have to be in a, have a certain type of contract to even mm-hmm. be able to come to Texas and do work with us. So it would be tricky, I think, for Funimation to also have an office there, and it would have to operate so differently mm-hmm. than the way we already uh, run. And the other thing about Funimation is that they aren't just a dubbing house, but you know they license, they distribute. We do all of those things. We, well, we have a partnership with Universal for, for distribution, for home distribution now, which is pretty exciting. That is exciting. But um, it's a big place with, with more involved than just the production of the English side. So I don't know that they would want to start <laughs> right. doing stuff uh, in another state, too. Yes. Um, so, oh, did you want to ask one more? No, no, no. I was, oh, okay. I was saying we to be respectful of everyone's time. We oh. might have time for one more question. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you have been with uh, Funimation in the voice acting industry for a number of years now. I think has it been since two thousand four. Two thousand four. So, how? What are the the main changes that you've seen over time? Um, maybe specifically working at Funimation or just in general with the industry. And I'm going to expand and say, what are you most excited about in the future? In the future. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, I think the biggest thing is just the number of shows. Mm-hmm. I happened to get on at Funimation right when they were expanding from being the Dragon Ball company mm-hmm. uh, to they had just done Fruits Basket and Blue Gender when I showed up. And they were working on Kitty Grade and started, um, what is that darn show? Uh, what we called Case Closed or Detective oh. Conan. Mm-hmm. So suddenly this show comes along that has a main cast of five and every episode a brand new cast because it's episodic, like a procedural mm-hmm. Um, and they needed to really increase their their talent pool, and they did that. And uh, then right after that, it was just another big show, and more shows, and more shows, and more shows. And so, what's the most exciting is just the amount of work uh, that there is, and it goes in waves for sure. We saw um, a big slowdown um, after the tsunami a number of years ago, um, and then after that, the shows that we were getting were more of um, the fan servicey type shows because you could see that even in Japan, you know, sex sells, so yeah. the industry was hurting. So let's make what will sell. So there was that time period. But now we're finally, I guess, for the future, getting to a bit more interesting stories again, and uh, some really beautiful shows. Um, in the very near future, like next week, a show that I spent most of last year and the beginning of this year working on is called Garo the Animation, and I got to be the director, voice director for that, and I'm incredibly proud of it. It is uh, 
out of everything I've worked on, my absolute favorite thing. And you can listen to episodes one and two for free on Funimation.com. <laughs> so please go check it out and then buy yes. the show. Awesome. Everyone go to Funimation.com right now and watch it. You'll well, love it, I promise. Thank Maybe you not again. little kids, it's a little risque. This was yeah. Caitlin Glass. Thank you again for sitting down with us. Absolutely. It was great to talk to you and yeah. we really enjoyed it. So enjoy Thank the rest you guys. of your con. Thank you.